Thank you for tuning in to the Gen 5 podcast. I'm Alex, VP of Creative at Gen 5. And I'm Kia. I'm the VP of Operations at Gen 5. And this is our second episode here. And today what we're going to discuss is thought leadership. And immediately when I say that, probably a lot of you already know what we're going to talk about. But I guarantee you that a lot of you that think you know what you're about to hear is not necessarily the case. Thought leadership is a a buzzword in, in many respects. It's an important word, and ultimately what it means is that you want to be the preferred choice in your market among your prospects. And that's a big title to carry, and we're going to talk about that and the misconceptions of, of that and how people think about it, but ultimately how emerging B2B companies or even B2B companies that just want to make an impact, it doesn't matter where they are, how old they are, how long they've been around, that want to get and compete with the big boys, you know, the larger companies in their space, thought leadership is the best way to do that. Um, so Kia, what what initial thoughts do you think a lot of these people are having yeah, I about think, thought leadership? I think thought leadership sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, read about thought leadership and it's kind of one of those things that's like, yeah, that's nice to have, but <laughs> maybe next year, you know, mm-hmm. I'm swamped. But thought leadership is really less about the amount of content you're putting out and it's actually more about what you're saying. Right. And I think that's really important to note. I think when I think a lot of people think of thought leadership, especially executives because we've read some of the um, some of the articles that are produced and geared towards executives, it's like, you know, put your thoughts out there. It's thought leadership, right? Like <laughs> yeah. say what you think about stuff. And when you're thinking about thought leadership in a company perspective, it's really not about what you think. Mm-mm. It's really a defining statement that helps you stand out in the market. You know, that's that's interesting because if we've learned anything with working with companies to be thought leaders, and believe me, that is a huge task, by the way. We don't say that flippantly. Oh, we just help them become a thought leader. Like, it's, it's a huge undertaking. It's but a process for it's, sure. It's a process, absolutely. But what it's not is a contest to see who can produce the most content, who can write the most smart-sounding things. <laughs> thought leadership really is about strategically positioning yourself and standing out from the crowd. It's essentially a mission statement or a vision as as you relate to your competition. So what I, yeah, and, and what I really like about it as well is that there are a couple of elements to being a thought leader that are unavoidable. And I think it's kind of a, a challenge. And what I mean by that is you can have the coolest way to solve a problem for your prospect that your pro- that your product solves and it can be so cool but if you don't have a cool way to describe it and then it's not eye-catching if someone's reading it online or if someone's hearing about it if the way you're describing it isn't attractive then it probably won't get a lot of traction you'll probably get a lot of great referrals mm-hmm. from customers saying hey this actually works great but if you're mass marketing, and that's what we're here talking about, the Gen 5 podcast is about B2B marketing. If you're trying to mass market your product, and when we say mass market, obviously what we mean is within the confines of who you're trying to reach. You're not trying to email everybody and their mother. Yeah, we're talking about targeting. We're not talking we're targeting. about generic email blast to everyone you can get. <laughs> it's mass marketing, but not really mass marketing. It's mass marketing within a certain set of parameters. Yep. But you have to have that appeal. And that really is an art. It's really um, a discipline of knowing, hey, that sounds good. Not, 
oh, okay, we'll live with that. I mean, a, a lot of times when, when you make a thought leadership statement or want to position yourself as a thought leader, you have to come up with some angle or position that is appealing and sounds cool. So the option of, okay, it's good enough, a lot of times that just doesn't cut it. It really does have to kind of hit you and make you stop. And so what we mean by that, and actually, you know what, we'll, we'll get into some examples um, here in a little bit. We'll talk about exactly what we mean about thought leadership. But outside of being attractive, you know, for, um, for prospects to say, hang on a second, I like what they're saying, that's interesting to me, I'm going to learn more. When you're a thought leader, you have to back it up with having an innovative way or a different way of solving a problem that you're probably already solving but you're talking about it in a different way that no one else is. Yeah, it absolutely has to be defensible once you once you catch somebody's eye and they, they go to learn more. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like you said it. Yeah. You have to back it up. So when we talk about the steps to becoming a thought leader, we just talked about how it was really complex. I mean, you don't just wake up one day, have a cool uh, – let's say you come up with right away, hey, this is a really cool way to position. Here's our tagline, so to speak, of our thought leadership position. And it is defensible. You don't become a thought leader overnight because, like we, I mentioned this at the very beginning, if you get into a war of content and who can make the most content, who can produce the most videos or podcasts maybe or blogs, companies with the largest resources, with the largest amount of people working in their marketing departments. Will, <laughs> they will always win. <laughs> they will beat you. They will crunch on you like the cockroach that you are. <laughs> you ever watch Shark Tank? That's Kevin O'Leary saying the cockroach. But... If you are a small company and resources, I mean, when I say small, small relative to these huge companies that are leading the market, if you're smaller, you're very much aware that you do not have the resources that these companies have. So, okay, we're not saying not do content. We're not saying don't get into that arena. You have to get in that arena. But the content has to align with your thought leadership statement, and you have to be strategic about what you present and what you talk about. Because ultimately, if you're just, if you're going up to a really... Um, out-of-the-box thinker, executive at your company and saying, hey, what do we talk about? And they give you good stuff. If you're just throwing this stuff out there, that's not a concentrated, strategic way to become a thought leader because it's just a lot of cool things. It's not aligning with this cool um, position that's making you stand out. There are a lot of statistics out there, Alex, and I know we've seen quite a few of them, and it talks about how much information that potential prospects gather before they actually interact or engage with a company to initiate a, a sales cycle, especially in B2B. And so I think one of the, the benefits of putting in the effort to become a thought leader is that company or potential prospects have heard of you mm-hmm. and they think of you as um, someone who educates them, provides mm-hmm. valuable content and material to them to help them be better at their job. So it, it's natural for them to choose you when they're at the point where they're ready to make a purchase. If there's anything that I try to communicate with, with companies that talk about thought leadership, it, it, I want to explain in a common sense way, and I hope our audience is, is really trying uh, hearing me when I say this, it's common sense to think that if you present your market, which, by the way, if you're in that market, you should be in the business of solving that problem. That's why you're making the product. You're helping solve a problem. You should already be an expert in that arena. So think about the common sense that it makes to have a prospect see you thinking about solving a a problem in a new, innovative way and thinking, I like that. 
that makes sense to me. I want to know more. Why wouldn't you be the preferred choice eventually down the road? So you offer a, a new approach, an innovative approach that can only help you win that business down the road if you're proving to them through your thought leadership position that you know what you're talking about. Why would you not want to go with somebody that, that seems to know what they're talking about? It helps you in the long run of winning that business down the road. That's why, and that's ultimately what people talk about when they want to be a thought leader. They want to be bigger. They want to make, you know, grow sales. And I think um, when you're looking to become a thought leader, it is critical to have your prospects see you as a thought leader, mm. but it's also very important to have analysts mm. view you as a thought leader, especially for emerging companies. It's great publicity when analysts notice you and write about you and get talking about you. And I think when you have a concerted effort to become a thought leader and you're aligning all of your messaging behind um, this concept, this defining or differentiating statement of your company, it really helps you on multiple fronts. And it's all about revenue, right? That's the yeah. that's the only reason. It's all about revenue. In this really, <laughs> you mentioned and when you mentioned analysts, that really paints a picture of how different. B2B is from B2C. That's right. I mean, so think about it. When you're talking about selling enterprise-type software, let's say, think of how much research and how big of a purchase that is. I mean, IT has to vet it, right? Different departments that are going to be impacted by it. They have to approve of it. They have to say, I do or don't like or this will or won't work or whatever. I mean, think about a huge decision that is. So the people that are in these industries that, that are having to buy this kind of software they don't have time to sit and independently go through studies. or They depend on analysts in many, many cases That's right. to tell them objectively, and, and hopefully these analysts are being objective, right, um, <laughs> what, to, what they need to know about yeah. does this work, does it not work. And, and with B2C is the absolute opposite. I mean, did you read that recent article on uh, denim? From the denim analyst, <laughs> you know, for the best jeans on the market. I mean, no. I mean, we we don't we don't view consumer products like that. But like I said, with B two B, it's completely different. So you do have to consider how analysts see you, because a lot of these your buyers they're paying attention to them. That's right. So let's talk about how you would become a thought leader. So you have limited resources. You are you're an emerging company. You have you know, maybe a few people, <laughs> maybe a few more, but uh, regardless, you know, you're you're busy. Right. So let's talk about, I know we've come up with some keys or some things to consider uh, when trying to develop this statement, this thought leadership statement. So let's kind of chat about what those are. Right. So the first step, and this is really a litmus test, the first step in to becoming a thought leader is grabbing someone's attention. Yep. Right. And, and without that, if they're not stopping... They're not paying attention. So you have to have something that at least slows down the traffic, right? Yep. Um, some are better than others. Some are more effective than others. But it has to pique some, your target's interest. If it piques my interest and I'm not your target, you fail. <laughs> yep. you, know, you need to pique who you're trying to reach, right? And we've, we've talked about in the past how you got to figure out who you're selling to, find out who that is, what will make them stop. And one of the interesting things about a, a thought leadership statement or differentiating statement, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, when you're promoting, you're doing it by role. Yeah. But when you are talking about thought leadership, it's not by role. Right. But it still has to be interesting. And that's the hard part. Right. That's the really hard part. Yeah. And, and and so once once you've found a way to 
stand out. It, it, okay, so you've got their attention, right? So we've come up with some, and we'll give examples of this, so we're not just going to talk randomly about how you need to stand out and get people to stop. <laughs> yeah, that's not helpful. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about it, but that, nevertheless, that, that has to be discussed. When they stop to find out more, it has to be defensible, like you just said. It has to set, it has, you have to back up that creative kind of statement that you're making. Um, and and if, if not, then you'll lose them. And, and actually, your brand will lose a little bit of credibility because you said, well, dude, you just, you just, I, I just stopped and, and read this email. You just said something really bold and it got my attention, but you're just pitching me the same stuff. So you're really marginalizing yourself when you don't have the goods to back it up. That's right. And another element to thought leadership is making them think about something in a new way. Mm. We call it the twist, yeah. <laughs> but but it's really introducing a concept and then have opening their mind of what it could be or something that, you know, maybe it's a word or a phrase that they think they know mm-hmm. and you're kind of opening a new door and you're like, hey, think about it like this. Let's let's give an example because I think at this point people might be pulling their hair out wondering like what in the world <laughs> like we're Like this about. is easy. Let's go do it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in the past we worked with a, a logistics company. And for those listening that aren't familiar very much with the logistics space, it is extremely competitive and crowded. You can say, I mean, literally, Kia and I today could go register ourselves to become a broker, uh, a freight broker, and call ourselves accurately a logistics company. Yep. And we can build a website and say that we provide uh, cost savings and efficiencies and all this stuff. And we can say that. And so many companies today do that in the logistics space. So it's really hard to stand out. That's right. Yeah, I know. So it's really hard to stand out. So when you're talking about the twist, as you just alluded to, the best way to go about doing that is to think about, again, who who your audience is. What do they think about what you're about to talk about? Like, what are some preconceived notions and beliefs that they have um, about a subject? And I'm, I'm going to back this up here in a second. Establish what that is and then totally turn it on its head. So, for example, for this logistics company that um, we were working for, they wanted to target the operations executive, COO, director of ops, VP ops, whatever. They wanted to target that that persona um, because they found that most of the clients that they signed were through that, that role. So do VP of ops just inherently care about logistics and freight? Well, no, not really. And these are for manufacturers and distributors. So... What can get them to stop to pay attention to a logistics company when they're probably getting hit with every single logistics company on planet Earth, especially if they have a lot of business potential? Well, this company, and you have to look within yourself in your own individual company to see what assets you have that can make you stand out. But for this particular company that we were working for, they had a division that provided lean consulting for manufacturers. And every VP ops for manufacturer has heard the concept of lean. They know what it is. They're interested by it, they're intrigued by it, um, but ultimately they know it's a valuable thing. Everybody would rather be more lean than just have a wasteful less operation. Lean. Yeah, <laughs> less lean. That's true in real life too. So, so what we did is we, ha- we made our thought leadership position, and this is, the, the, I guess, the, the statement was extended lean. Right? So these VP ops know, and this is what I was talking about before, a preconceived notion. So these... VP ops know what lean is. Now they're getting contacted by a logistics firm saying, hey, we offer extended lean for your supply chain. 
that VP ops probably is going to say, okay, well, clearly that's interesting mm-hmm. because extended lean for a supply chain, how is that related? I like lean. Lean's good. But what's lean in the supply chain? Because that's my area. Well, we had to back that up. And so what was defensible about that statement? We had a lean division. Yep. And so what we were offering was essentially efficiencies in their supply chain logistics operation. They didn't change their offering, but we changed how we positioned it. So we were going to make your extended supply chain lean, okay, because people, when they think about being lean, it's just within their facilities, within their manufa- the four walls of their manufacturing facilities. But when you say, hey, there are elements of your business outside of those walls in your extended supply chain that we will make lean. And from that, from that perspective, we got a lot of attention and that, that actually got a lot of uh, a lot of press too. Yeah, I think um, what what definitely made that defensible, and it's what you said. They had a lean division. So early on in the brainstorming process of how do we become a thought leader, you really have to stack yourself up against your competition. How are you really different? How do you stand out? And sometimes that that takes you know yeah. you're calling a baby ugly, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're looking at your company and you're like oh man, you know, like, I don't know if we stand out. I don't know if it's different, but you really have to look deep and figure out where your strengths lie. And it can't be your people. And the only reason I say that is because every company that we've worked with say we're different because of our people. And I have no doubt that many companies are different because Mm -hmm. of their people and everybody, um, you know, I'm sure believes they have a great team and it's really vital to their success. But your prospects don't care about that, unfortunately. So about that, though, we talked about in, in our, our podcast episode, we talked about promotions. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, marketing is about perception, and perception can oftentimes be cruel. Because in these these companies that we've talked to, they're like, no, our people are special. They're right. They are, they are unique people. They're a great team. They get along. But unfortunately, because so many people are using that that point and that, that benefit that, that you want to hold on to and promote – unfortunately, has been kind of nullified by everybody else saying the same thing. So you do have to present something that's unique about yourself, but also present something that ultimately needs to be defensible and not related to your people. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we might be giving away our secret sauce here, but... um, I think it would be interesting to talk about the way that we present Gen 5. Mm. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen Revenue Engineering, and that might be interesting to you. It may not, but we (laughs) hope it is. Um, And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people say, well, you're marketing. Right. (laughs) So, um, Alex, you want to chat about that? Yeah. So, you know, there was, you know, a lot of talk about how we're going to present our services. And we see ourselves as marketers because why? Because we see ourselves doing marketing. We think of marketing in a different way. That's right. We see marketing in a different way. But when we heard what the market was saying. And how they view marketing. We had to really change that up because to a lot of companies, marketing is what? It's, well, maintain my website, um, print my collateral, plan my trade show. and, And if I need email graphics or whatever, take care of that. But essentially, marketing is spending money. Right. Right. It's, it's, you're putting in a lot because you have to, it's a necessity. It's, it's, and that's how a lot of business leaders see it. And then, and actually, um, to, to prove a point here, we actually worked, we actually had a conversation with a CEO of a software company who literally said to us, I want to invest in marketing, but I need to concentrate on sales first because I need to build capital. 
Well, when we heard that, we knew that we had to position ourselves in a different way because by making that statement that said, we don't believe marketing is going to generate revenue. When that's our whole point is marketing should be at the very front end that's of right. the revenue of the sales cycle. It should be feeding leads that will close, not just any leads, leads that are going to close, have a high likelihood of closing to the sales cycle. So when we say revenue engineering instead of marketing specialists or whatever, that's kind of our statement in the ground. We, we, we see it in a different way, and it, we believe it's defensible. So that's, that's, right. a, that's a good example. Um, yeah, and the, another way that's defensible is, you know, a lot of our processes, really all of our processes, um, we really did take an engineering approach to marketing. You know, right. we're measuring, we are tracking, we are doing continuous improvement loops and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, I mean, ultimately, how much money do you put into marketing to hit your sales goal? You know, and I think that, you know, if we have any executives listening, I, I know that marketing is such a huge, I mean, it's such a huge topic. I mean, because a lot of people say, well, advertising, that's marketing. Right. It's a, it's a piece of marketing and that's undeniable. It is a piece of marketing. But a lot of these these executives for these small B2B companies, small to medium-sized B2B companies, they see, all right, I know how much I'm putting into marketing. That's very clear. I'm not so much seeing what I'm getting out of it. Yep. And that's, that's really where uh, a lot of companies are missing out on, on potentially um, shoring up their their investment in marketing and getting the most out of, of what they're putting in. And that's what we believe is revenue engineering is all about identifying what's going wrong so you can isolate the problem and address it versus throwing money at problems based on whatever you've done in the past. Yeah. So we're definitely breaking one of our cardinal rules here. We're uh, talking about ourselves too much. Um, (laughs) But I do think it was, it's interesting when you look at cases like extended lean or you look at revenue engineering and the thought process behind that, um, it's food for thought, you know, and right. creating a thought leadership statement, it is truly, it's not easy. But don't think of it as content. Think about it as strategy. Yeah, and, and even when you produce your content, I mean, from the press releases you send out about whether you're signing a new product or, or something big happened within your company or organization, you know, you have to think how can we incorporate our message that's standing out in the market? How can we incorporate um, that into the press release? Uh, your email messaging, if you're doing email marketing, trying to get leads to have people come over to listen to a webinar or, or to read a blog or to download an ebook, you need to have that content aligned with your, your, thought, uh, uh, your thought leadership statement. And that's, for example, the ex- extended lean example. I mean, they were producing content around that, releasing press releases uh, around that, and it, it actually helps a marketing department in many respects staying grounded and saying, okay, here's our strategy, right? And it's not just about... Um, all right, what's something interesting we could put out today? No, 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 no. It, it's, it's keeping you grounded saying, here's what we need to plug. And for anybody that thinks that you can shortcut this and, all right, we'll come up with something and within a month we'll be world famous, it's consistency. It is consistency. You've got to wait and it's, it's patience. You know, it's, you have to get exposed, back it up, and have it out there for a long time because it's not something that can be accelerated by your staff. It has to be... The market has to accelerate it for on its own. And Especially for emerging companies, too, as you're building a brand, consistency and repetition is key. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of companies feel like they're saying the same thing over and over. But truly, when you have these themes, these thought leadership themes that are you know, woven in and out of all of your messaging across all of your channels, it really paints a consistent picture for your prospects about who you are and why you're reaching out to them and how you can help them. So thought leadership is 
I mean, like everything we do, it's all about generating revenue, um, whether that is, you know, getting exposure in the analyst community and your prospects finding you there, or whether it's them, you know, seeing one of your promotions and being like, hey, that's different. I mm-hmm. want to learn more. And ultimately, what, what I mean, when you boil it down, what is a thought leader supposed to be? And this might actually be a, a make or break on when, how, are you a thought leader? Are you not a thought leader? Are your prospects seeing you as helpful? If they're not seeing you as helpful, you're, you're not a thought leader. That's right. You're not doing it right because the, the people that you're trying to engage with, they need to see what you're engaging uh, with is going to help them in the long run. And that's, that's I think, a critical component to actually becoming a thought leader is messaging of value and, and we're going to help you out. It's not just about us or how cool or how much we know. It's about trying to solve your problem. Yeah, I mean – Figuring out how to become a thought leader is definitely a creative process, and that can be difficult, as we all know. Um, but, I mean, there's definitely a scientific and, you know, a very um, analytic element to that, too, where you really have to say, like, is this working? Is it not working? Can we do these small tests? Because sometimes what we think internally is really, really cool, <laughs> the market just doesn't respond to, and, you know, that could hurt your brand. So yeah. I, I don't know if we've confused <laughs> <laughs> because thought leadership, I mean, it, it's a huge topic. It is. And um, you even just brought up something that we could split off to a whole nother conversation, which is uh, market testing and making sure that, hey, is this valid? Do, would people find this helpful? I mean, we can have a whole other conversation about that. But ultimately, a thought leader is supposed to be valuable to a prospect and to show an innovative way to get people to stop and ultimately defend their position and if everybody could be a thought leader, you know, everyone would do it, you know, but yep. uh, it takes, it takes patience and, and really ultimately focus because it's, um, but it's well worth it. I mean, if you look at market leaders and, and companies that ultimately are very successful, they're able to separate themselves from the crowd by people like you and I thinking they know what they're talking about. I mean, I mean, Salesforce actually.com is a really good example of sure. how they branded themselves and whether or not people think they're the best CRM out there or not, <laughs> they certainly have branded themselves as, as a market leader and, yeah. and that's obviously been beneficial for them. <laughs> if there's one takeaway that you take from this podcast, it's thought leaders are not necessarily the companies that have the most money, mm-hmm. that have the mo- the biggest client base, that um, have the best branding. They're just not. It is truly about the quality of the content and the consistency of the content. So I know for a lot of um, our followers, they're more emerging, innovative, entrepreneurial type companies. And so that's the good news, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to have, a, you know, a million dollar marketing budget right. for this. Right. And, and you know, again, we're, we're bringing up so many things within thought leadership that could be whole different topics. But one thing that I find encouraging for uh, these, these B2B companies is that we live in an age today where it really doesn't matter as much because <laughs> it matters how much money you have and how much sure. how many resources you have. That does matter. But never in the history of commerce has it mattered so little because if you can get to a solution first and if you can solve a problem before anyone else, you're going to get a stronghold on on a a big part of the market. So um, being a thought leader is more important than ever, I think. Yeah, I think, too, um, I know we are (laughs) going on and on about thought leadership, and I'm sure a lot of you have questions. Uh, we'd be happy to answer those questions. We're really passionate about this. We have a lot of fun working with companies to define their thought leadership statement. So reach out to us. Let's see if you know we can share more examples with you, maybe get you on the right path. Um, our email address is hello at gen-5, the number 5.com. That's right. And that's 
gen-5.com, and the number five is the number five. So it's not that big long email. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I'm sure you were all confused. Yeah, someone's going to be in there typing. All right, uh, hello at gen-5.com. Okay, got it. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. Um, we look forward to exploring more topics. I think this has spurred uh, conversations that can you know, go into a lot of different ways. So um, I'm Alex. And I'm Kia. And until next time.